Uh, we're continuing our study in the letter of, uh, to the church of Ephesus. Uh, last week we looked at the kind of the second half of the first half of chapter 4. Uh, we were going to do a council review kind of service today and get into that, but I kind of messed that up when I took the first half of chapter 4 and made it two sermons. So now we've got we to gotta keep going so we can get done in time. Uh, so this week we're starting in the middle of chapter 4 and we're going to go through the middle of chapter 5, which is a lot, I know. We're not doing it all today. We are going to look at two different tracks uh, that has kind of two different themes that we find in those verses. Uh, one, one theme this week and then another theme next week. Last week we talked about the fact that God gives each of us additional gifts and he gives those through the Holy Spirit. The first gift being the gift of Jesus and the opportunity for salvation. The second is that we receive the Holy Spirit when we accept Jesus as our Savior and then the Spirit gives us additional gifts on top of that to build up his kingdom and to see people come to know him. Um, the second thing we talked about was the fact that we get to grow up into Christ and that our walk with Jesus should be something that's always moving forward, that's growing. And we're going to have times where we slow down, but we should be moving forward continually. And that fact that we have still not reached it. And I don't care how old we are, how long we've walked with Jesus, we're still not there because none of us are perfect yet. We're, Jesus has forgiven us and we are wiped clean and we are made white as snow, but we are not perfect. We're still growing. And the third thing we talked about is that it takes a village. It takes the whole body. That we all work together. And the giftings and the growing and all of that works together. Uh, and it takes a village. We have to grow together. And we have to do this life together. We can't do it on our own. So, so as I said, the, the next two weeks will be four, chapter 4, verse 17 through 520. I'm not going to read that. There's a lot there. But we are going to work through it today. Um, Basically, this week, the theme that I have for us is get out of the darkness. We need to get out of the darkness. And there's a lot in here about, as followers of Jesus, what we shouldn't be doing, what we need to stay away from, what should no longer be part of our lives. But then there's also that counter in there, uh, and next week is going to be walk in the light. It has what we shouldn't be doing, but then what we get to do. And so this week is we're going to focus in on those heavy, dark spots, that darkness, and what we should be walking away from, and then next week, the things that we get to walk into as, as uh, children of the light. Um, so it's interesting to me in this section, there's actually more do or be like this, and there's not as much, and there's less don't do's. Uh, there's actually, we're actually called to do more than we're told not to do. And, and the biggest thing I want us to understand before we go into this is the reality is we are not going to just look at this as a list of do's and don'ts. Because if all we do is look at this as a list of do's and don'ts, then it just really is all about the rules. And it's not about the rules. It's not about the do's and don'ts. It's about knowing and understanding who we are in Jesus, what we have in Jesus, and who we get to be in Jesus. And that's what it's about. And so it's important for us to hold on to that and remember that. Because if we don't, then all this is is a list of rules. And we know all, what we all think about rules, don't we? We love following rules. So I think it's important for us to review our identity. So I want to go back to the first few chapters. And I want us to remember who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. Because if we don't 
come from a place, if we don't come from that place, then we're just going to see these as things that we got to check off. And that's not the point. In Christ, we see that he is faithful and we can be faithful. In Christ, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. In Christ, we are holy and blameless. In Christ, we are his children. In Christ, we are granted grace and redemption. In Christ, we are forgiven. In Christ, we know the mystery. In Christ, we are united. In Christ, we have an inheritance. In Christ, we have hope in his glory. In Christ, we are sealed. We are all of those things. We have all of those things. Paul prays for us, and he asks that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we could know Christ better. In Christ, we have the opportunity to know him better, to have wisdom. We have the opportunity to have our eyes opened, and we know our inheritance and the power that we have in Christ. We have power in Christ. In Christ, we look and we know that we are now in the light, that we were once in darkness, that we were once outsiders, but now we are called his children and we are members of his household. That is who we are. And we remember those things. Because we are those things, because we are alive in Christ, because we are members of his household, because we are created to do good works, the way that we live out our lives should be out of thankfulness because of who we are in him and what we have in him, not because we're following just a list of rules. Because if we just follow a list of rules, then we'll fall into legalism and we won't walk truly in the light. Uh, in this Bible, in my main Bible that I teach from, the heading from this is called Instructions for Christian Living. Um, and that's what we have. And I like that. Uh, I've been accused of not being very deep in my life, in the way I teach, in the way I preach. That's fine. I am not a deep person. I, that's just not who I am. I'm in there. What's it say? Rubber meets the road. Let's go. Let's go. That's just who I am. What's it say? Okay, let's go. Um, this section of scripture, chapter 4, verse 17 through 520, this is my all-time favorite section of scripture in all of scripture. This is my favorite. And uh, this is my Bible that I had in high school and college. And if you could see it, I mean, it's just, it's just filled up. It's, it's marked up. It's torn. Uh, the page is torn. It's just, this is my favorite. And uh, it's because here's this list. As we know Christ, as we know who Christ is, this is what he calls us to walk away from, and this is what he calls us to walk to. And it's important that we hold on to those things. In this one, it's called Living as Children of the Light. That's what the heading in this one is. And I love that. How, how do I live as a child of Jesus? Here you go. There's the instructions. I'm like, let's go. I love it. Instructions for Christmas, Christian living. Living as children of the light. So today, you could basically just call today, get out of the dark. That's what we're supposed to do. Let's get out of the dark. How do you get out of the dark? Turn on the light. There you go. If you're in a dark room and you don't want to be in the dark anymore, what do you do? You leave the room. No, you just turn the light on. We just turn the light on. That's what we do. When we want to be in the light, we turn on the light. And that's what we have the chance to do. Jesus lives inside of us. His light is inside of us. When the darkness comes, when those things that come that are part of the dark, we turn on the light, we turn to Jesus. And these are instructions on helping us to be able to realize what's in the dark and how to, get, and how to turn on the light. Uh, I've mentioned this before. One of my all-time favorite songs is a song called All the Darkness. 
It's by a guy named Steve Wiggins, who eventually ended up in a band called uh, Big Tent Revival. Uh, if you Google or look up All the Darkness by Steve Wiggins. Uh, it talks about what Jesus did on the cross for us and who we are in him. But it has a line in there, one of my favorite lines. says, all the darkness in the world can't hold back the light of the smallest flame. And no matter how dark a room is, once you turn on a little light, that light is visible. That darkness cannot hide that light. And, and that's what God wants to do in our lives, is he wants to remove that darkness and bring that light into us. And so that's what this section is all about. Uh, when I was, uh, I don't know, six, seven years old, uh, we lived in Arizona, and uh, we lived in government housing, you know, which means that five, five houses all put together in one line, and they all look the same except for, you know, the furnishings on the inside. So if you ever went over to your friend's house, you never had to ask where the bathroom was because... <laughs> Everyone's bathroom was in the same place. Our bathroom was right at the end of the hallway. And so if this was the living room, you had the living room right here. The dining room was right there. The kitchen was over there. Down the hallway were the bedrooms. But the end of the hallway was our bathroom. And if the door was open and someone was in the tub, you could see them sitting there in the tub. Um, which in the case that I'm thinking of right now, my brother was. My brother was sitting in the tub. The door was closed or opened. It must have been late at night because it was dark and the power went out. And uh, so my brother's in the bathtub. The door's open and uh, the power goes out and it's dark. And this is about how it happened. Lights go out. Scream. <laughs> okay. My brother was alone in the bathroom. Lights go out. Scream. Lights back on, another scream. Okay, well, what was the second scream? The second scream was my mom, because somehow in that period of lights go out, scream, lights back on, my brother was standing in the living room next to my mom sitting on the couch, and it scared her. We don't know how he did it that fast. Um, matter of fact, when we, go, when we walked back down the hallway, there was not a, fink, a single wet footprint in the bathroom. We think he went from the tub into the hallway. Three wet footprints later, he was standing in the living room. <laughs> Suds just dripping, covering him. Why? Because in the dark, he was scared. And he was going to where he knew light could be provided. He knew my parents, if the light stayed out, would give him light. And that's where he was going to. He wanted to be in the light. He didn't want to be in the dark. And so that should be what we want. That should be what we want. We should want to get out of the dark and go to the light. So as we look at this, um, I don't really have any points. Here's my point. Get out of the dark. That's the point. Write that down. Point number one. And the only point, get out of the dark. But we're basically going to walk through this kind of verse by verse and look at the places in here that show what is meant by the, the darkness, the things that are dark. And the reason we do this is because all of us, regardless of where we are in our life, Satan wants to trip us up. Satan wants to hold us down. And it's good for us to be reminded of what God sees as sin so that we can check our lives and say, am I, am I is that me? Is he describing me right now? Is there something I need to confess? Is there something that needs to come out? There's something I need to lay at the foot of the cross. We all need to do that. And so I want to just take some time and walk through this, uh, each one, and, uh, and look at these things. Again, I, I love this. This, this. There's a good list here of things we shouldn't be doing, that we shouldn't be involved, be involved in as followers of Jesus. 
Um, but the list of what we should and what we get to do is much longer than this list. And, and to me, that's exciting. So, so verse 17, uh, I'm just going to go, says, so I tell you this, I'm going to read 17 through 19 to start. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. Other versions say with a continual lust for more. Here's the big thing that I want us to remember when we talk about those that are still in darkness. And we read, this is what they're like. We shouldn't condemn them or think poor of them. Our hearts should break for the fact that they are darkened in their understanding. That they are ignorant. That they live in the futility of their thinking. That's sad. That really is. We've got to remember that we were once in darkness. We were once outsiders. And this described who we were in those moments. But this is a reminder that we should no longer live that way. We should no longer live darkened in our understanding. We should no longer live ignorant. I don't even like that word. It's such a, to me, it's a bad word, <laughs> ignorant. But have you ever felt ignorant? Yeah. God calls us out of that. Why? Because he's revealed to us the mystery, Jesus. They've hardened their hearts. When I think of hard hearts and I think of the scriptures, I think of Pharaoh. Now, we know that God hardened his heart for his purposes. But when I think about it, I'm like, God, do, you, do, do I have a hard heart? Sometimes we can get hard hearts, right? We can have hard hearts. We can have hard hearts towards people, towards situations, towards organizations, towards the church. God says hard hearts are something from being in darkness. Our hearts should not be hard. Our hearts should be soft, sensitive. It says they've lost sensitivity. They've lost all sensitivity. I don't want to ever lose sensitivity. I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, the Holy Spirit's guiding. I want to be sensitive to the situations that I'm in. I want to be sensitive to the people that I'm around. I don't want to have a hard heart. I'll tell you one thing this COVID thing has done is it's revealed some hard hearts. It really has. Well, I think it should be like this. Well, I think it should be like this. Well, can we come together and agree on a common place and just live in that? Nope, I believe we should be like this. Have we heard a lot of that in the past year and a half? Yeah. To me, that comes out of a place of a hard heart. Now, I believe God gives us truth. The Holy Spirit reveals truth. We can come to God's word and we can see truth. We can have wisdom, and that's one of the things that's talked about in here. But if we're not sensitive, and we have hard hearts, I, 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 don't, I don't ever want to be so arrogant to think that I know it all. I mean, really, that's the place where a lot of the world, especially, I mean, God, God created everything. I mean, God created science, Right? God put everything to, science is in order because that's how God made it, you know, but we got so many people that don't know Jesus that look at science and they think we've got it figured it out. We figured it out. People that are lost have figured it out, man, 
the, mo- the more I know Jesus, the more I realize I don't have anything figured out. Because his ways are so much higher. His ways are so much bigger. I don't ever want to think my ways that I know because I don't know. We don't know. We're ignorant. God gives us truth. God reveals to us. It goes on in those verses, talks about embracing the sensuality, the impurity, the greed. Those verses are continued. If you flip over to, to verses 3 and 5, it continues to say, it talks about immorality, impure, greed. It talks about those things, and those things should have no, we should have nothing to do with those. They shouldn't be part of who we are. It actually says, what's it say there in verse 5? You can be sure of this, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Why are they an adulterer? Because if you're, if you're looking at sexual impurity, if you're stuck in impurity, if you're stuck in greed, if you're stuck in these things, really, who are you looking at? You're looking at me. You're looking at me. You're looking at me. What you've really done in those moments, have you have made yourself the idol. We talk about idols in our lives. We talk about how money can be an idol or things can be an idol or the thing that I sit and watch on TV can be an idol. You know who the biggest idol in our lives is? Me. I'm my biggest idol. I'm the one I look to the most. I'm the one that I spend all my time with. I can't get away from this guy. Believe me, I've tried. This is the biggest idol that is why when we talk about, when he, when he talks about impurity, when he talks about immorality, when he talks about greed, it's associated with being an idolater because I'm the idol. I make myself first. That's what is being done. If you live in the dark, you're making yourself first. You're the number one priority. We hear the world say that, don't we? But if we're making Jesus first, That's what we're called to do. Now there's a number of things. Don't do this. Put off this. Verse 22 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. We should put off corruption. Verse 25. Each of you must put off falsehood. We must push, push, push away falsehood. Push away lying. Poor representation. Verse 26. Verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Anger in itself is not a sin. But when anger grabs hold and keeps going, what's it become? Sin. I I don't believe Jesus was happy and full of joy when he was flipping the tables. I think there was a little bit of anger there. But he didn't take it to the point of sin. We can be angered by something, but how do we respond to that anger? Anyone in here ever get angry? My hand's the highest. But what do we do with that anger? Anger's an emotion. God gave us our emotions. He created our emotions in us. It's good for us to to use and recognize and feel our emotions. There are things in this world that should anger us. There are things that should anger us. But how do we respond in that anger? Do we let it get away from us? I, that was one of my 
problems as a younger Christian, it was easy for me to let anger get away from me. I'm thankful that God has allowed me to grow in that and recognize that I can be angry and not let it out. I think that's where the foothold comes in in verse 27. Do not give the devil a foothold. Same kind of idea. Once it's there, do we let it hold on and then hold on to us and keep us? Temptation, whatever it might be. Whether it's anger, whether it's lust, whether it's greed. We don't let the devil get that foothold and hold on and let it become something that's repetitive that happens over and over and over. We don't want that. Verse 28. Don't steal. We must steal no longer. And I don't want us to think, well, I don't walk into the store, pick something up, and walk out without paying for it. That's not what it, that's one of the examples. But what, do we, what are other things we steal from? I, I, I realized at one point in time that I let, um, that I would steal time from my kids for my own personal enjoyment. Because I wanted things I wanted to do. To me, stealing time from my kids and doing what I wanted to do uh, was just as bad as stealing something from the store. It's still stealing. Or steal time from my wife for the things that I want to do. We're going to look at a bigger picture of what that means. Don't steal. Verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. We'll get into that, but do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. We'll skip down to verse 4 in chapter 5. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. Unwholesome talk, foolish talk, obscenity, coarse joking is out of place for someone that's walking in the light. I, th- I think when I, when I think of these verses, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I speak poorly. I don't think I, I don't say things I shouldn't say. Um, but then I think about some of the times when I'm hanging out with just the guys. I'm like, man, do we, do we, get, do we take that a little too far sometimes? The people I'm comfortable with, that's okay. Because they know me and I'm comfortable and they're comfortable with me so we could do this. But is that really what God's calling us to be? I also want to say this, this unwholesome talk, foolish talk. To me, uh, the, the place I see this more often than, than not in, in when it comes to Christians or Christian circles is really on social media. The things that we post, the things that are said. No, no or, or unwholesome talk includes what we post online. And, and, and I say, well, I'm not cussing online or I'm not saying, yeah, but sometimes the way we treat people, the things that we post, things that we say, People get to know you that way. We've got to be careful about that. Here's another place that we do it. Uh, behind people's backs, when they're not listening, when they're not around, we just kind of talk about people. Oh, I'm just sharing what it's like. You know, this is just who they are. It's what happened. But, I, I mean, I got to be honest with that one, unwholesome talk behind people's backs. I, I talked about someone this past week a couple different times. And I was just telling a story, but I still, when I sat back and reread through this, and I'm like, was that, was that the right thing to do? Should I have just kept my mouth shut? Did it really need to be said? Did anyone think anything of it? Probably not. 
But the Holy Spirit brought it to mind for me. Would it have been better if I had just kept my mouth shut? Yeah. Because I don't think I was building them up. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think that goes right along with the uh, verse 11, avoid the fruitless deeds of darkness. Uh, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, what comes out, what should be coming out is the fruit of the Spirit. And if, if we don't have the fruit of the Spirit coming out in our lives, instead, those fruitless deeds of darkness. What are those things that I do in my life that, does not, that is not a result of the fruit of the Spirit? If, if it's not a result of the fruit of the Spirit, then it's fruitless deeds of darkness. And I believe that's going to grieve the Holy Spirit. The way we talk, the way we act, the things we do. If I'm not, if the fruit of the Spirit is not coming out in love, joy, peace, and so on, those other things that come out, then I'm going to grieve the Holy Spirit. We should be so in love with the Holy Spirit that he leads us, he controls us, he guides us, and that's what comes out. If his fruit's not coming out, then I believe these fruitless deeds of darkness will come out and we will grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, brawling, slander, malice. Those are strong words. I don't like any of them. Say, well, I'm not, that, I'm not like that. Those are strong words. I'm not like that. Um, verses 6 and 7, chapter 5. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Stay away from liars. Stay away from people that are trying to deceive. We've got to be careful here because I don't think it says stay away. It says do not partner with them. And there's a difference between partnering with someone and, and just avoiding them completely. Where there's darkness, light is needed. We need to provide that light. But it doesn't mean we partner with the darkness. Those are two different things. And we need to be careful in that. We need to be around the world so that we can show the light of Jesus. But we've got to make sure we don't partner with the world and call them a partner. <laughs> We look at our lives and make sure that that's not taking place. And I think sometimes you can get to a point in your life where you might be doing something and it's really become a partnership and you may not even realize it. Verse 12, it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. We shouldn't be talking about those things. But it continues, it says, everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Uh, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. I, I think we've got to be careful, too, here that uh, it, it, we don't talk about those shameful things. We don't talk about the fruitless deeds of darkness. Um, but we are called to uh, watch for those things in others, in ourselves and others. But we don't do it so that we can point a finger or remind them that they've broken a rule. We do it because we've experienced victory in our life and we recognize what Jesus has done for us and we want them to experience that same kind of victory. I think it's part of what the church has done wrong is we've been real quick to point things out and we know what Jesus thinks about people who point things out. He says, worry about the log in your eye before you worry about the speck in the others. God calls us to, to watch for those things, but he calls us to do those things out of love and out of a help towards victory. 
And that's what we need to be doing. Yes, those things will be exposed. Yes, that thing will, those things will come out to life. Just because that's what happens. When you live in sin, eventually sin catches up with you. But there should never be a victory dance when we find someone and accuse them of sin. Really, our hearts should break just as much as theirs. And we should help them be restored into a whole heart, into a whole place again. Verse 17 says, don't be foolish. Verse 18 says, don't be drunk on wine. Those are pretty obvious. God's given us wisdom. Let's walk in that wisdom. Let's not be foolish in the way we act, the way we talk, the things that we do. Let's be, do things with a purpose. Uh, don't be drunk on wine. It's an incomplete say, sentence because we have to say be filled with the Holy Spirit because that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Don't let something control you other than the Holy Spirit. That's the point of that. So we shouldn't allow anything else to control us except for the Holy Spirit because that's the only place we have fruit. We only have fruit in him. This is quite a list for us to look at. I mean, I just, I, I didn't even count it all. This is quite a list. And, and this may, may not have been the most exciting sermon you've heard in a while. And I'm okay with that. Because to me, Scripture speaks here, not me. Scripture speaks here. And as I look out here, I know most all of you out here. And, uh, and I would say, man, these, these people got it together pretty good. But I know you got it, pretty, you got it together just as much as I do. <laughs> so it means there should be something in this list that I, we should be saying, Lord, I need help with this. I need help with this. And so that's, that's all that I hope today is. I hope that today is a point where it allows us to look at ourselves in light of the Holy Spirit and allow him to work and move and grow us, mature us, be more like him. We're, um, we're going to a time of reflection where we can ask that question, the Holy Spirit. And, I, and I'll ask you, is there something in the dark that you're holding on to? Is there something in the dark that you're holding on to? If so, don't miss the opportunity today to confess that and lay it at the foot of the cross. Here's the other thing I want to say. Shame, shame, shame is a good thing. We need shame because shame so often is what drives us to confession. But I also believe that the enemy wants to come along and pour more shame on us so that we don't confess. And if you're at a place today where you know there's something that's happening in the dark that shouldn't be happening, but you feel so shamed that you can't even feel like you can confess it because they just won't understand. They're going to look down on me. That is not the case at all. We only want to help. Because we know what it's like to come out the other side and be victorious over those things that cause us shame. And so if you're at a place where there's something that just won't let you go, please come talk. Come, I, I, I want to talk to you, Pastor Chris, Pastor Terry, any of our elders. We want to talk to you, not so that we can find out what it is, but so we can help you walk through that and be victorious in that area because we know how freeing it is. So let there be enough shame that'll lead you to confession, but not so much that you don't 
confess the sin that's there. We're going to go into a time of reflection and prayer. Use this time. Talk to the Holy Spirit. After a little bit, we'll sing a song and then we'll go into communion. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for who we are in you. Thank you that you give us instructions on, on how to walk, how to get out of the dark and how to walk in the light. Father, help us to take this and apply this to our lives. Reveal to us today any areas of our lives that are still in the dark. Thank you, Jesus.